0: we got a really exciting episode ahead for you with the amazing Dennis Yu. I got a chance to sit down with Dennis at VendastaCon 2018. I've known Dennis for a number of years, and I'll tell you, he is one of the smartest people when it comes to Facebook and LinkedIn marketing that's out there. Really excited about that. But I want to tell you about a fantastic trip that I just took to Iceland, thanks to the good folks at Iceland Air, providing myself and uh, Brendan King, CEO of Vendasta, with first-class tickets. They call it Saga Class. And what an amazing experience it was. Iceland Air turns out to be a great jump point if you're going to Europe or if you're traveling from Europe to North America. You can stop in to Iceland either for a couple of hours and spend time in the Saga Lounge or you could spend a weekend in Iceland like we did and uh, travel inside a glacier. It was an unbelievable weekend. I'll never forget it. And thanks to the good folks at Iceland Air for providing that first class saga class they call it ticket and uh, just amazing um, hospitality throughout that entire weekend local. this is the conquer local podcast presented by vendasta with your host george Lee. this week dennis you and i'm going to be speaking to him about everything going on with facebook and some tactics that you can use as a salesperson to really brand yourself. Pointing a camera at yourself and sharing something interesting is a great way to get engagement on social media. SMBs are having a hard time being on camera and having a hard time making those videos, and I'm going to get advice from the expert on how you overcome that and how business people and individual entrepreneurs can really win in social media marketing. It's all coming up with the one and only world-famous Dennis Yu. It's the Conquer Local Podcast, on the road edition here at VendastaCon in Banff, Alberta, Canada. And uh, one of my favorite people on the planet, good buddy of mine, Dennis Yu, joining us on the podcast. Dennis, thanks for coming to Banff and joining us, and uh, we're excited to speak to you today. George, you're one of my favorite people, too. Well, we met, I was trying to think the other day how long ago we met. It was probably four or five years ago we met in uh, New was, Orleans. I think it was like six or seven, because that was PubCon. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah. So, Dennis, um, your career is on a rocket ship, and you've been working really hard at it. You're one of the hardest working people that I know. I had someone come up to me yesterday, and they said, it was one of our young staff members of Endas, they said, yeah, Dennis Huey, he was on his laptop working. Everybody else was at the social, and he's over in the corner doing work. I said, that's Dennis. That's, um, let's, let's talk a little bit about that work ethic, because you've been like that since I met you. I'm sure you've been like that your, your entire life, um, and it's really starting to pay off for you. It really has, George, in the last year. And what people don't see...
1: For those that are just starting to become successful is the 10 years plus, the 10,000 hours, in my case, 50,000 hours of digital marketing back from 1998. And only now is it starting to pay off because of the relationships that I built think about your best relationships. Think about like when we met, you, me and Brendan getting drunk at you know in New Orleans, and now that's starting to bear fruit. And I think we all understand instinctively relationships are what count and it takes hard work to maintain them and not go away, which is why the best friends that people make are usually in college, but then it falls away when they get married and have kids and
0: all that. So you, you mentioned the digital marketing challenge. And I was I was thinking about this as I was reflecting to come to Vendasticon. And I, I have a couple of speaking spots that I had to do at the convention. I'm always trying to bring new information and new value. This, this is a tough story to tell. It's a tough industry to be in because it changes so bloody fast. It
1: does for those people that are seeking the red herring or the trick or the shortcut. But you and I know based on relationships, things like Facebook or Google with search are all algorithmically driven and people freak out over algorithm changes. But what's actually going on is the algorithm's trying to figure out who actually is friends with who and who actually has high authoritative content, who actually has a product that people are talking about. And when you do that, that's when the algorithm changes are always in your favor. So every time Facebook makes a change and people freak out, we
0: smile because it's to our advantage. Right. And, and the advantage meaning that you're able to, to teach and educate and help businesses move forward with that change.
1: Well, we get media attention, so I was on CNN Worldwide three times last week, flew to Atlanta. But more than just us, it's better for the people that practice the fundamentals, that understand that if you're going to drive sales, we all want conversions, you still have to sequence them through awareness to engagement to conversion. That three-stage funnel is still know, like, and trust, and it's still organizing your content based on why, how, and what. And as long as we all practice those fundamentals, we're always going to win we're never worried about the changes. When you look at pros like LeBron James, a basketball player, he's always practicing the fundamentals with his free throws and dribbling and that kind of thing. And I think us as digital marketers, we're so caught up with the next trick that we forget
0: about the fundamentals. So it was a little over a year ago, you and I met, I can't remember what city we were in, somewhere in North America, and you challenged me on my personal brand. Yeah. And uh, listen, best thing that ever happened. I really appreciate the efforts that your team's put forward on that because that you know what you said to me, and and you know it's it's a tough one because uh, you know I like to think that I'm Saskatchewan humble um, <laughs> because I'm just from a small town in Saskatchewan. But you were challenging me, saying if you're really going to conquer local and you're going to be a trusted advisor, you've got to build that personal brand. And let, let's talk a little bit about some of the work that we did there on yep. building that personal brand, and and talk about those steps.
1: Yeah. So the first step, like you mentioned, is getting over the, I'm trying to be famous kind of thing. Because when you build a personal brand, it's not about you. It's not about being famous or being on TV. It's about you with such a mission that you want to share, you want to help, you want to educate. In the the case of local, right? Helping the partners, helping the underlying businesses, helping the media companies. You want to teach and share what you know so passionately, connect people so passionately that you're willing to go out there and share that and be on the stages and write articles, not to elevate your brand and get 50,000 views on a video, but because you want to help. And so when you measure that ROI based on the impact that you're making, then people naturally will gravitate towards you, that's your why, they respect your expertise, that's your how, and then they buy your product, which is your what. And personal branding is nothing more than connecting your why, which is why George Leith is in this business, why you have such great relationships, all the way to your what, which is I need to drive a sale. It's connecting that why to the what, and it's using the how. The how is the expertise. The how is the Conquer Local Podcast where you're sharing expertise. You're not selling anything, but you're building relationships. You're creating frequent, lightweight touches over time. And what we did together a year ago was look at all the the amazing content that you've shared, the seminars that you've spoken at, tons of video that's on YouTube, and start to package up little one minute tidbits to earn people's attention. They're not gonna sit down and spend an hour with you on a Friday afternoon and watch you, even though you're compelling. You need to earn that attention through a one minute touch, through an article, through some kind of component. And by assembling those things like money in the bank that you already have, and we put that out there on Facebook and we boost it to fans of Vendasta, people that like Gordon Burrell, people that are in local online marketing, they like Greg Sterling, they go to PubCon, Search Engine Strategies, all these different places. It's like we're replicating a hundred George Leiths to put out these greatest hits, these little tidbits where you're sharing awesome knowledge. And that's all personal branding is. It's about sharing things that, that are of high value where you're adding value. It's not about, I'm trying to speak on stage and be a keynote and I'm, you know, Tony Robbins or something like
0: that, right? Well, let's So let's bring this to uh, to a local business person and, and an example is I had a friend reach out to me the other day and um, obviously has been seeing some of that content and uh, he's in the real estate business. He's a very, very successful real estate agent and um, his his comment to me on LinkedIn was his, he has my cell number by yeah. the way and he has my email but he reached out to me on LinkedIn. He said, I'm wondering if you would be able to go for lunch, I'll buy, give me some advice on how I can build my brand. So for... The real estate agent, or for the dentist, yeah. um, you know, I've got a buddy who's a great dentist in, in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and, yeah. and getting him to share his personal brand, it was like pulling teeth. Oh man. Because he, just, you know, he, doesn't, he doesn't play in that space, so yeah. what is some advice that you could give to those people? If they, they got 30 minutes with Dennis? To you, what would you suggest that, that, that they do?
1: First off, they have to overcome any kind of preconceived notions about being in front of the camera or telling their story or what it costs or how much effort it is. Who wants to go to the dentist, right? Who wants to file their taxes? No one wants to do any of these kinds of things. But if you realize that, hey, if I want to serve the community, I've got to put content out there. And if I'm – people make – the number one thing, people make all these excuses about not wanting to be on the camera right? Oh, my website's not ready. I don't like how I look. I'm too busy this week. I'll do it next week. It's too expensive. I don't have the camera equipment. You can pull out your iPhone. And if you don't want to be on camera, cause for all the different, like I don't want to be on camera, right? then you interview other people. If you're that real estate agent, you know that you are in the relationship business. So talk to people that you've been helping and, and ask them about their situation. And they're just telling your stories. Yeah, I just moved to town. You know, we've been looking for a house. I got two kids. Then this is who, you know, this is what I, where I work. You're, you're just collecting stories of other people. You're acting like a reporter. If you don't want to be on the camera, then be behind the camera as a reporter, pull out your iPhone and learn to collect one minute stories. And you would think that if you're a real estate agent or a dentist or whatever, and you're interviewing people about you know, their, their kids winning some kind of soccer championship or just like any kind of story, you would think that has nothing to do with their ability to make your teeth straight or make them white or do root canals. But you'd be surprised. People make decisions based on the heart, based on who they trust. They have no way to tell whether that dentist is actually any good at being a dentist or not. So people make decisions based on who they like. When you have a frequency of lightweight touches who are you going to choose the one you've seen a few videos where you can see like they must they seem like a nice person versus some other random
0: google search results you pull up who are you going to choose right and and it's it's branding at the very elementary level and i i think you know. that it gets overlooked yeah. because you want to build that brand and you want to so you, you buy business cards you put a sign out in front of your business you do all these things but then we live in a different world now because you know. everybody is connected Yeah, and people make
1: decisions not based on your business card or what kind of jingle you come up with on TV or some kind of you know trick that you pull where you give out free hot dogs. You know, car dealerships do things like furniture companies do stuff like that. It's really just getting exposure in the local community with one minute videos. People buy from you personally because of your personal brand. You've got to tell your story, how you got started, some childhood experiences that lead into why you believe what you believe, or about your family, or things that you might think are kind of personal, some kind of vulnerability. If you are a larger company, then maybe you have a founder, maybe you have some people that you send out on the road to speak at conferences, maybe you have some key customers that you're willing to talk to, where it's not a testimonial. It's not them to say, oh yeah, I really like Vendasta and they have an amazing platform. No, you're trying, you're being a journalist, and you're trying to collect stories of what's meaningful to them because people resonate emotionally with stories. People buy because of the why. They buy because of the trust, not because of a rational calculation of how much money they can make and how many clicks they're going to get to the website or cost per leads or things like that. People buy based on that why. So personal branding means you're going to assemble what we call a topic wheel and the outside ring of the wheel are all these different people that are telling their one minute stories, not five minute stories, these one minute stories told in a particular way where people will identify with the why of that particular story. That why sequences to the how. The how is how do you clean your teeth? How do you you know uh, choose what kind of car you have? how do you, you're sharing your expertise and ideally a one, two, three, four, five checklist recipe driven kind of way you're demonstrating knowledge, but it has to start with the why because people have to know you before they can like you, before they can trust you. and the larger your agency is, the more figureheads you have, the more lighthouses which are like preeminent. High power clients like the Warriors, they're a high power lighthouse client of ours, so they do the marketing for us. All of us agencies need to, most agencies that we've seen, they have a mishmash of clients because they just service people in Baltimore, Maryland, right? But if you can choose one or two of those lighthouses, build stories around them, interview them as if you're a journalist, you're not talking about yourself, it's not a testimonial you'll find that you can get 50 or 100 more of the same thing. So us putting out the Warriors, the NBA basketball team, is an amazing example documenting how we do it. You have to have one that's willing to talk about what they're doing, not all secret. That's driven tons of other sports teams our way because we've done that case study together with Facebook. We've done it openly. We put it on the Facebook blog. So anyone that's doing digital marketing at any of these other sports teams, they're not going to want to go against what Google and Facebook have to say against the number
0: one team in the NBA. You talked to me at, at one point here over the past year about, um, you know, doing some air cover for a sales organization. So you get a sales organization you've targeted. Uh, there's a prospect that you would like to get. Yeah. And, and you're, you told me that what we're able to do is to take that and build an audience around all the key decision makers and influencers yep. at that organization and then serve up messages way before you ever go in to do the presentation. Oh yeah, it's it's
1: very possible to do that. Yeah, so imagine George you're going to go visit with XYZ people next week in Chicago. Well, if we have their email addresses, we can upload that into LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter and hit them with messages so that only people who are on that email list are only people who have those job titles. LinkedIn's got the best job title targeting, right? They can see your stuff. And we've seen this work like a charm thousands of times where when we meet people and they'll say, Man, I've been seeing your videos all over the place. And they think that you're spending millions of dollars advertising when you're spending just a couple bucks. You can spend a dollar a day because it's a limited audience.
0: Is that an ad on the right rail or is that actually showing up in the news feed? So with, with LinkedIn, you want to choose sponsored stories,
1: which look like regular posts that you're boosting. Same thing for Facebook. You're not trying to run right-hand side ads. You're taking regular organic posts. You're posting organically like you would, and you're boosting that to a particular audience. Now, that audience can be an uploaded custom audience, which is people who've been to your website, people in a particular email list, or it can be a saved audience, which is all the people that have the title of regional sales manager, all the people that are fans of a certain conference, all the people that you know, live in
0: Saskatoon. Okay, so there's, there's one thing I got to call out. I've been, I've been watching, I've been reading. There's some things you don't like when people are reaching out to you and they don't really have a connection. You know, I, yeah. I saw a post you were talking about that just the other day. Can we yeah. talk about why you don't like, like what, that's not a good practice or it just it irritates you or you know, why?
1: Well, I was on TV a few days ago and I got 600 emails in the next 48 hours, not counting all the Facebook messages. And you know what people are asking? Dennis, can you get me a meeting with Mark Zuckerberg? Can you get me a blue check mark? Hey, I've got this great idea. Will you be an investor? <laughs> Are you, like you can imagine what that's like, right? Anyone who's attained even a medium level of success gets hit up, like crazy. Like you have all these friends all of a sudden, you know what I mean? So you know the same is true in sales. The, you want to be able to give value before you ask for anything. Because if your bank account balance with someone who's a cold prospect is zero, and you ask for something, you go instantly into withdrawal. So I like to make lots and de- lots of deposits. And so by making one minute videos that we put out there, they've already got a chance to consume some content, get some value. By the time we talk, I have a positive bank account balance with them and then I can ask for something because I've earned it.
0: What about this tactic that I've seen you deploying where you write a, you write a line, a hook line yeah. on LinkedIn and then you put a couple spaces there and put the rest of the story yeah. underneath. So that's called broetry.
1: <laughs> we, <were, laughs> we were featured on Writers a, a month ago about that. So that, that only works half as good as it used to. That 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 was a way to game the system, just like there's certain things you can do to like game search engine results or you know, game Facebook with memes. So the, the broetry model is you tell your story one line at a time. Every paragraph is just one sentence and you open with something that catches their attention, like she she rejected me and I felt utterly hopeless. And then people want to read the next line.
0: Right? Absolutely. Everybody likes and a train wreck.
1: So, <laughs> and, and so emotion is what leads. That's, that's how you... So think about any kind of knowledge you have. Think about relationships. Think about what you sell. And think about where the emotional hook is. And you open with that. Like if I wanted to... If I had an article on like, how do you not get your Facebook ads disapproved? We could say, here's 12 things you could do to not get your Facebook ads disapproved, blah, blah, blah. And it could be a great article. But if we don't have an emotional hook, the hook could be, my friend had his Facebook ads disabled and it tanked his business, right? And then he lost this much money. That, so you have to open with that. You have to establish pain because then they're going to want to read the rest of it, right? It's like clickbait basically on LinkedIn.
0: So uh, a few things in in the news right now that we want to talk about. You mentioned earlier that you're on a plane to Atlanta the other day. I saw you on CNN a number of times. Um, Facebook is in the news. The stock took a hit over this this data issue. Give me the Dennis you take on this. So Facebook lost $100 billion of value
1: wiped out in 48 hours, right? It's crazy. A $460 billion company took a... They were a half-billion-dollar company. Lost hundred million, $100 billion, sorry, with a B. People like to freak out. The media likes to freak out. They like to play it up. Partly that's to my advantage because I get on TV more. But... <laughs> I'm trying to tell these folks, look, nothing's actually happened with Facebook. There was no security breach. There was no like data hacking, Russians manipulating the media, you know, electing Donald Trump kind of stuff. None of that is true. It wasn't technically possible. Several reasons. One is that Cambridge Analytica got their hands on 50 million Facebook user profiles that they claimed that they were building huge, huge psychological in-depth profiles off of. That's impossible. Because the data cannot be uploaded to Facebook based on changes they made in the app platform four years ago. Secondly, what happens in the newsfeed? If George Leith likes Donald Trump I know you like Fox News, but let's say you know, if you what happens when you click on multiple things related to Fox News? What do you think Facebook's gonna show you in the newsfeed? If you like guns and you keep clicking and liking and watching videos on guns, they're going to show you more videos and pictures and articles about guns. So do you really think people are getting their opinions changed? The algorithm is based on it creates an effect called a filter bubble, which is whatever you like, they're going to show more of that same thing. So it's like when was the last time you changed your your political view because of someone's Facebook post?
0: No, I'm completely in agreement. It's not something that I would make a decision on off something that I have flyer that I read or something that I see online. I'm going to form that opinion and make that choice over a period of time based on a a whole bunch of factors.
1: Yeah, and the biggest one is going to be based on trust of people that you've known a long time, of sites that you trust. And the, the thing that's caused the problem for Facebook, which is the one that I told them on TV that they can't solve, imagine having a huge problem that you can't solve, is that... The, the issue is education. The user doesn't understand how to spot fake news. The user doesn't understand that Bill Gates doesn't want to give you $100 if you forward this message to 10 people, right? And so how is Facebook going to solve that problem? It's not a technical security data hacking problem. They have to educate people to tell, hey, you know, when you install an app or when you go to the supermarket and you need to use, sign up for the loyalty card because you want to get 10 bags of potato chips for $10? and you give up your information, and there's six pages of fine print before you click, okay, fine, I accept. Do you ever read that?
0: No. No one, no one ever reads that.
1: Okay, but you know what it says, what, what they're going to do with your data if you sign up for this program because you want to earn miles for this credit card or whatever, right? You know what happens to that data. We all know what happens to that data. Okay, that's the problem, right? And as long as the people are willing to trade privacy for convenience... This is going to be a growing issue because guess who's got the most data on users and where they're going and you know what they're buying and what they like and what th- it's Facebook. Facebook has more time on site than Google. Facebook has, I think, something like forty-six percent of the logins of all the people there. Because you can log in with your Facebook instead of logging in by making a username, password, that kind of stuff. So, Facebook is the linchpin, or they're, they're the whipping boy, the lightning rod for all this privacy stuff going on right now. But you ever like? drive on the, I mean in Canada, you're going between these provinces. It's like a long drive, right? Absolutely. And, and so if you're, if you want to speed, like most people speed. So I tend to be the kind of person where if someone else is speeding, I'm going to get behind them. So they get pulled over, right? <laughs> so you see these trains of people. So Facebook is the lead car. And so you have LinkedIn and Google and Twitter and Snapchat, and all those guys are following it, following in right behind Facebook. Cause they know that
0: Facebook's getting the ticket and they get to speed with, without getting in trouble. That's what's right. going on right now. So we um, we're at our annual convention this morning. I'm going to do a video because I I've drank Kool Aid. I'm following <laughs> what you want me to do. I go to I go to LinkedIn. I, you know I've got 12,000 yeah. uh, people that I've connected with on LinkedIn, and I press the video button, and this amazing thing happens. It's completely changed. Yeah. I'm able to put a filter over top of it. I'm yeah. able to do all these. It's it's amazing what they've done there. Yeah. Um, let's talk about LinkedIn because I know you're yeah. you're a big fan. LinkedIn is the new Facebook. LinkedIn is where we've been building business.
1: If I had to choose between having, I wonder if there's any Facebook people listening, but if I had to choose between keeping my Facebook profile or my LinkedIn profile, I keep my LinkedIn profile. I generate more sales, more connections, more authority, more like everything off of LinkedIn because all the things that were amazing on Facebook that made it awesome are now starting to show up on LinkedIn. You can put video, you can start to boost certain kinds of posts. I've made some posts individual posts just on my LinkedIn profile. Mine's about the same size as yours. I think I'm at like 14,000 connections that have gotten 2 million views. And I've gotten a whole bunch up over half a million. Even Logan has got, and, and Logan had only 500 connections still recently on LinkedIn. So don't think it's because it's someone who's famous or anything like that. Even he is getting posts that are getting two hundred, three hundred thousand 300,000 views and a thousand likes per post. If you know how the LinkedIn algorithm works and posting in a certain way where it it gives you huge distribution because now LinkedIn's got a ton of traffic. This Microsoft acquisition is only going to increase that, yet there's no competition. So man, it's like the early days of Google, like 17, 18 years ago. It was like Facebook 11 years ago. LinkedIn is the
0: new wild ground that people are only starting to realize is more than just a place to go look for a new job. And it'll be interesting to see how Microsoft further integrates LinkedIn into their ecosystem.
1: Well, it's about training and education. Our buddy, Jason Miller, he's the global head of content marketing at LinkedIn. He used to work at Marketo and we worked together there. But he said that, well, let me back up one step. So um, Jeff Weiner, who runs LinkedIn, he's the CEO now. He used to be my boss at Yahoo. And he said that Facebook is a place that you go to waste time and LinkedIn is a place you go to invest time. And LinkedIn is shifting from being a you know, a resume polishing place to your business newsfeed to see what your friends are doing to educate. That's why why LinkedIn bought Lynda. That's why they're integrating all these other apps. That's why they're making changes in LMS, which is LinkedIn Marketing Solutions, to allow all of us to publish better. That's why they released Video Insights last week, right? You can see how your videos are performing. And I'm pretty sure, because I met with these guys recently and they showed me some new things that I thought were impressive. You're going to be able to see boosting posts. You're going to be able to see integration with marketing automation systems. LinkedIn now has a retargeting pixel. So all the amazing things that you could do on Google and Facebook, LinkedIn as the two-year-old toddler is now starting to get. So it's going to be super powerful.
0: Yeah. And there's no end, you know, there's no end to resources at Microsoft. So, right. you know, it's, it's, I'm not saying that any of that stuff they're doing is easy, but it's easier because resources are not an issue.
1: Well, they kicked out their old CEO, and it used to be a Steve Ballmer game. And now Satya is the CEO. And he realized it's because, you know, Windows used to be a monolith. It used like Windows was how they got onto the desktop people don't buy desktops anymore windows they tried to do as a windows phone they tried to do they tried to like jam windows into everything and now they understand it's about platform it's about collecting users through through wherever they are so it's you know putting microsoft on you know on mac for example which is something they didn't really want to do so microsoft realizes that they can't just be the... Because mo- it used to be a Microsoft-only game, right? right? 20 years ago, it was yeah. called the Wintel Monopoly. That's yeah, exactly. the only game in town. Now, Microsoft is putting their stuff across all platforms, so that's why you're going to see things like LinkedIn and the other acquisitions they've made become more powerful.
0: And let's talk a little bit about uh, Blitzmetrics yeah. for a moment and, and what you do and, and some of the clients that you work with.
1: Yeah, you've, you've heard of, you know, like Nike or MGM Resorts International. They own about a third, almost 40% of Las Vegas we got the warriors we have ashley furniture they're the largest furniture store on the planet over 700 stores for example ashley we have they've been used to traditional advertising cuz the furniture place is l4th you know, of july blowout right. and tv ads and they've shifted most of their advertising into digital when they open up new stores now we've got a blueprint for how we roll out stores where we know that if we so prior to a couple months ago the CEO was is a forward thinking guy and he said, you know, I know that digital is where it's at. I know that online reviews are important, right? So we're gonna drive high engagement. We're gonna tell stories. We're gonna build our three by three video grid, which is the funnel that we talked about. We're gonna do all these things because we just bet, we just believe that this works. We just know that there's kind of a, a loose correlation between doing good things in digital and that causing people you know, to come into the stores and buy sofas and chairs and tables and things like that. Two months ago, we used the Facebook offline API to be able to match people that actually bought furniture with them being on Facebook, having watched our videos, having us having collected their emails. And we found, because that we were kind of afraid, because that was the moment of truth, because we were all just sort of like believing like it's good to do things right. in digital. The moment of truth showed us that we had a 1,000% ROAS. So every dollar we put in drove $10 of people actually coming into the store and I think that was our cost to to drive a new person into the store to buy something was $30 or $40. And, you know, in the furniture industry, which is kind of low margin, we've got to do it for under $70, right? So that was automatically profitable. And now we're validated, and now we can spend more money. And I think a lot of folks, if you can tie in... The point of sale data, if you're a dealership or if you have some kind of you're a retailer and you've got a point of sale, Facebook has this free thing called the offline API and you can integrate that data and now you can prove the ROI on social. I'm just waiting for Google to get there. I mean, Google's got one, too, but it's clunkier.
0: Um, You know, we, we talked about personal branding off the top, but there's a lot more that you do. Let's get into that a little bit.
1: So we are an education company that we're creating jobs for young adults so that they can become digital marketers, not because they're just getting a certificate from our programs, but because they can implement and get on the job experience and get paid for their education, working on packages that we resell through our partners. So, imagine the apprenticeship program of Europe of 200 years ago brought to the United States, brought to Canada, which is the way people have always learned when they get out of college. We're not saying, oh, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, you should just like drop out of college and be an entrepreneur. No, there's a a combination of these. So, our programs, thank goodness we have Facebook supporting us, Google is contributing. We have the largest conferences like Vendasticon, but Social Media Marketing World, Digital Marketer has Traffic and Conversion Summit. All these guys allow our young adults to come for free. Right? and they get access to the education it's great for the community because last thing any of us as business owners or leaders or agency owners want to do is learn how to set up Google Tag Manager and Pixels and make reports and stuff like that would you rather have a young adult do that for 15 or 20 bucks an hour so right. that—that's that, the arbitrage play that we have as Blitzmetrics. Metrics. So,
0: how, you know, you and I, you and I had dinner over the the Christmas season uh, in Scottsdale. I know that you guys yeah. are headquartered out of Scottsdale, and you were telling me yeah. that you you were continuing to grow that group. So, how, how large is that group now? We is have fifty three. Okay, great. Yeah. So it's we, going really well. We're hiring probably ten to
1: fifteen a month. So that means that's putting stress on our training program. But the training program is everything because that's how we get the word out. That's how we drive leads. That's how we educate partners. And that's the same thing that our young adults go through when they
0: get certified. So the the other item is you do some conferences on an ongoing basis where people can come down and learn for a few days. So um, they follow you on LinkedIn. They're going to see mentions of these events where they could come to Scottsdale and and you put them through a weekend boot camp and train them.
1: Yeah, it's a three-day VIP experience. We alternate between GoDaddy's headquarters and Infusionsoft headquarters. Those are two other partners of ours. So if you're an entrepreneur, if you're an agency owner, you're trying to grow your business, that's at blitzmetrics.com slash workshop. We also have coaching programs. So you can also, also see that I think it's like 159 bucks a month and our guys will actually support you in tech support. There's a private group. We have weekly webinars. We're doing everything we can to put the knowledge that we have out there, which is cool because not everybody gets to meet with Facebook all the time and have weekly calls and get to work on new products get your little you know, blue book that we gave you from hanging out at Facebook's headquarters, right? Not everyone gets that experience. So we're just trying to share everything that we know. And for those people that maybe they're not ready to pay for one of these kinds of things, we put a ton of stuff out there for free. So just follow me or Logan on LinkedIn or go to our site. You'll see we have a ton of information out there. If we want to train another million young adults and then unleash them on all of these local businesses. The reason why we're here with you, George, and Brendan and everyone else is because we believe that local is the future. That's going to be where the jobs are created of the kids that are coming out of college. That's where the money's being spent. That digital angle, all that money is going to be shifting in the digital, but it's just like the Yellow Pages is
0: going to take some time. So we want to be there. We're here for the long run. Well, we really appreciate you sitting down with us today, Dennis, and sharing those insights here at Vendasticon. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. We love you, George. Well, what a great episode from the one and only Dennis Yu. I can pretty much remember every single meeting that I've had with that gentleman over the last four years from our very first meeting in New Orleans. And Dennis has taught me a lot about personal branding. You know, I'm approaching 13,000 followers on LinkedIn and a lot of that uptake and getting those followers has been because of the things that Dennis has been teaching me about my personal branding. And that said, you know, the one thing that I have a hard time doing is listening to myself and watching myself on video. I like to joke, but it's actually the truth. Usually when I watch myself and listen to myself, there's a bottle of bourbon and a box of Kleenex involved because there's some crying. And I usually have to have a couple of drinks to deal with all the stupid things that I did. But looking back and watching those videos is how we improve our delivery to come up with a great message and a great presentation. Dennis's strategies are bang on the money when it comes to getting you ROI. Make sure you're subscribing to the Conquer Local podcast. We thank Dennis Yu for joining us this week. We're on iTunes, we're on Google Play, we are on Overcast, and we're on SoundCloud. So whatever you use, there's no excuses. You should be able to subscribe. And we're looking for your questions and comments and ideas. I want to hear it. Search Conquer Local on LinkedIn and let's chat. I always love seeing those messages coming in. We've got some great episodes planned in the months to come from that feedback that we're getting from our listeners all over the world. That's it for this week. I'm George Leith. I'll see you when I see you. You've been listening to the Conquer Local Podcast with your host, George Leith. Executive producers are Brendan King and Jeff Tomlin. Recording engineer, John Miller. Editing and mixing, Sound Lounge by T-Bone. Writing by Michelin Gaudet. Marketing by Devin Hennig. Michael Gatioen and Brian Larson. Produced by Joshua Baker.